Hey, this is Caleb Clay, Associate Pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, Georgia. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We believe that it will minister to you and be a blessing to your life. Now get ready to receive a word from God. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Everyone say dust. And breathe into him, into his nostrils, the breath of life. Everyone say breath. And man became a living being. Man became a living being. Not a living doing, but a living being. Life is more about who we become and less about what we do. Life is more about who we become and less about what we do. Man, if I would have known that in my 20s, and I, I thank God I figured it out at least in my 30s, you know, at least I'm figuring out, you know what? Life is more about who I'm becoming and less about what I'm doing. We strive so much and we let our doing, our, 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 our busyness of life, not just business, but busyness of life dictate uh, so much of our lives. But who are we becoming in the process? Who are we becoming? Who are we allowing God to shape us into? But we have two very important elements that are in this verse. And God has kind of set a template here, if you will. God has kind of put forth, made precedent, taken that first step and said, from here flows everything. And this is what God is doing. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. So God had to take material. God had to take something natural. God had to take something visible, tangible. Um, But just because I had the practical, natural, tangible doesn't mean that I had a living being. I just had a being. I just had an object. So the first element is the dust. But it goes on to say that with this dust, He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The breath of life. God is is showing us that we need, it's not one or the other. It's both. It's not one or the other. It's both. I need the, the practical tangible elements. What am I doing? What do I have? What do I have that God can use? What do I have that God can breathe into? We need the practical. Uh, you know, I, 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 I tell our, our leadership a lot that administration, I, I am, uh, that's, that's just one of my gifts is administration. And uh, bringing order to things. Jerry Ann's laughing at me right there because she, she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, because, uh, you know, I, I can do outlines, checklists, checkpoints. Uh, I, I mean, uh, you know, I, I can get behind someone else's vision and help them organize it. It just comes to me. It's easy for me. And so uh, we've got to have the administration We've got to, because this is the thing, guys. God doesn't do anything halfway. 
God, God isn't trying something here. He's doing something. And many times, you know, we, we will get as far as to try something for God rather than just do something for God. Many times we'll just go in. What I mean by that is we're just hoping that it works. But God is showing us that there's a practical side of life. I, I want to believe God that my debt can be taken care of. I want to believe God that a miracle, a financial miracle can happen. But you know what else he's also called us to do? Be wise stewards over what we have in our hands. It's not one or the other. It's both. God is trying to, to show us that there is a your part and then there is his part. And many times to get God to do his part, we're out of position because we're not doing our part. Our part is the dust. Our part is the material. Our part compared to his part pales in comparison, but he's still looking for action on our end. He's still looking for us to be working what we have. I was just sharing with uh, Reverend Vidar, who was just with us this weekend, just sharing with them a little bit of our history. And when we started this church um, in October of, of 2011, we took over the church from, uh, you know, pastors Brian and Cheyenne. You know, many of y'all know the history. And, and that was really our launch. That was really us getting off the ground and saying, all right, this thing's taken root. We're, we're, we've, the thing is being planted. The ground has been plowed. It's been tilled. It's been made ready. Let's go get it. And so October, I remember October of 2011, Pastor Earl and Marcy came up here. Uh, so that would have been October 16th. So the weekend prior to that, October 9th or whatever, uh, you know, prior to that, that Sunday before, that was Pastor Earl and Marcy's last service with us. And they communicated the transition to the three families that we had at that time. It was, it was not very many people there. In fact, I pulled up a photo um, uh, of the other day of our first service in the, the building. How many of y'all remember the 2314 US Highway 84? Where's your hands? Y'all remember 2314? And so, uh, you know, I pulled up our, the picture. I stood at the back of the sanctuary. It's like that big, you know. And I counted the chairs and it was exactly enough chairs for our core leadership team today, 16 chairs. We have 16 people on just our leadership team today. <laughs> and, and, and so God is so good. I mean, God, you just have to sometimes just sit back and reflect and say, God, look what you did. I don't know how, I don't know when, look what you've done. And so I was just sharing with him about that, you know, October 16th, 2011, that first service. And, and by January of 2012, my wife and I, I wouldn't say frustrated. I mean, you know, there's work to do, but you're starting to look around and say, okay, God, you know, we're a little under-resourced. Uh, you know, you, you, you've got, I know you've got a great vision. I know there's a lot you want to do, but you know, here's what we need. And I start listing off all the stuff we need. Right, we can. How many of you can come up with a needs list real quick? Easy, 
any of us can sit back and point at what we don't have. And so I remember in March of 2012, we attended a, a conference at a church out in Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, didn't really know what we were going to get out of it. Weren't, you know, didn't have, you know, weren't like on the edge of our seats leaning in. But there was a minister that spoke on the very first night. And he ministered about think outside the box, but use what's in the box. Think outside the box. God wants to expand our vision. God wants us to think bigger than we've ever thought. God wants to uh, expand and increase whatever you can think, whatever you can ask, right? Ephesians chapter 3.20. I mean, everybody at some point has put their life on that verse. God, whatever I can think, whatever I can ask, I know that you will do exceedingly abundantly above what I can think what I can ask. And we get out there and we're thinking outside the box. And so then, you know, at that point, we didn't even have live worship, guys. We didn't have, like, this might have been downsized from what we do on a Wednesday, a, a guitar, a bass, drums, and a, and a lead singer. We didn't even have that. I would have been jumping up and down if we had someone just to play the guitar. I was the only musician in the church and I played drums. That doesn't really work very well leading from the drums. And you don't want me singing either. And so, uh, you know, we were playing CDs. And I remember I, I said, I'm not doing more than two songs. Two songs. They get two songs to enter in. If you're not in by that point, we're done. And, then, and there were times where I was like, man, it's not even, I mean, it's just, let's just preach. I don't even need music. Let's just get into the word, focus on our strengths, let God take care of the rest, you know. So we were just faithful with what we had, but, but we went to this conference, think outside the box. God, we need musicians. God, we need finances. God, we need teams. One of the things that we needed at that time was leadership. We needed people to rally behind us, to have somebody to rally behind senior pastors. You don't know how much that empowers us and how much that's communicating to the rest of the body, right? Because Pastor Mark and Ashley are supposed to say certain things. We're supposed to pump you up to be here early. We're supposed to pump you. But when you've got leadership echoing that, and so I said, you know, God, we're the only ones that come through the doors on a Sunday thinking, Let's do church. Everybody else is like, all right, what do you got for us? And so, you know, you have this needs list. So we had kind of gotten in the position, well, when I get this and when I get that and when we have this. So God spoke to me that night and he said, use what you got. Use what you got. And I remember the, the minister that spoke that night, he was ministering on the widow woman with the oil in the jars. Use what you got. What do you have in the house? Is what the prophet asked her. What do you have in the house? Well, I just have a little bit. Of, it's so easy to disregard what we have because in light to what we need, it doesn't seem like it can accomplish where we're going. And so I remember that was a Thursday, a Friday, Saturday. We were traveling back home. Sunday morning, we were back in the pulpit. And that Sunday morning, in March, six months in, I got up in the pulpit and I said, if you feel that you are called to this church, and again, there's like two rows here, and they're not sitting on the front row. It's, it's just, for some reason, the front row is like, there's the allergies there, or 
they think there's an electric fence around it. I don't know. People love that second row back. They, they love cushion, you know. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there's, I don't know, maybe four or five families, maybe a little more than that at that time. Miss Wileen, I think you were there. Chuck, y'all remember that. And, and, and so I, I just pitched it and just said, if you feel you are called to this church to help us advance and move forward, to do more than just the 10 Anchor Faith Church, but help us go forward. Tonight, we're gonna be here at six o'clock and we wanna launch a, a core team meeting tonight at six o'clock and three families showed up and we started there. And those three families didn't have any church background, didn't just come fresh off of Bible school. They were three families that just said, what can we do? And so God began to shift my thinking. God began to shift uh, how I lived my life with this mentality of there's what we have and then there's what God can do. There's what we have and then there's what God can do. Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one. There's what we have. There's dust And then there's God. He breathes on it. There's the natural and the spiritual. Okay? This is how God is leading our lives. This is how God is working and moving in our lives. There's the natural. What can I do? What do I have? And we always come up on situations in life that seem bigger than where I'm at bigger than what I have, and, 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 and you feel like you're, you're out of place, you feel like I don't have what I need to get to where God wants me to be, uh, you know, it, it might even be in a relationship. I mean, you know, when there's uh, uh, walls or offense or bitterness or any of those, you know, typically what we need or what we feel we need is we need an apology. We need them to acknowledge where they messed up and blew it. But what you have is forgiveness. What you have is the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. So you start with what you have. But most of us won't start with what we have. We won't start with the dust because after all, it's dust. What can dust do? But until I present my dust, God can't give his breath. Until I present my dust, God can't breathe on it. So we say, I need an apology. But what I need to do is I need to present forgiveness before they ever even acknowledge that they've wronged us. And I don't worry about the outcome. I'm just giving God something to breathe on. Can I get an amen in here? Can I give someone, can I give God something to breathe life into? Colossians chapter one. And in verse 15, it reads this way. Colossians chapter one, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. That's Jesus. And it says this about Jesus in verse 16. For by him, 
all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Watch this, visible and invisible. Visible and invisible. It's both. It's both. And so many times, the things that dominate our interest or dominate our thoughts or dominate our minds is the invisible. What I don't yet have, what I, don't, what I have not yet accomplished, what I have not yet done, where I have not yet been. We, if we allow that to dominate our lives, if we place our focus on what we don't have rather than what we do have, we're not giving God, offering God anything to breathe his life on. It takes both, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. It says this, all things were created through him and for him. You know what that means? That means that God can use both. God wants to use both in our lives. God wants access not just to the spiritual side of your life. He wants access to the natural side of your life. God wants access to the practical things in your life. You know, God cares about the practical things in your life. My wife shared a, a really neat testimony. I, I think it was last week, if I remember correctly. And last week, my wife and I, on a Wednesday afternoon, we had just finished up lunch, and, and she said, hey, I need to go to TJ Maxx. That's usually how a lot of our car rides end is going through TJ Maxx. It might as well be, you know, TJ Maxx, man. I need to find TJ. We need to have a talk. But TJ Maxx. And so uh, I was like, okay, fine. What, what do we need from TJ Maxx? And so we go in there and she was looking for something and I see on the wall, if you're not familiar with my son, uh, Camden, he loves Steph Curry. Like, loves Steph Curry. That's, that's, and hey, I, I'm all right with it. Better than LeBron James. <laughs> Nothing against LeBron James, but Steph Curry, I'm okay with Steph Curry. Steph Curry's a role model. Steph Curry's a believer. Steph Curry writes verses on his shoes. Uh, so, you know, if you're going to pick one, I'm going to go with Steph Curry. So he loves Steph Curry. And they had this Steph Curry backpack which is very expensive. That's why we never bought it for him. Very expensive backpack. That's, you know, you could put him in this backpack. It's, it's a big old backpack. And uh, so I just see it there and it's like, you know, extremely marked down. And I was like, we've got to get him his backpack. And so she said, we give it to him for Christmas or give it to him for his birthday. They're both real close. And so I said, fine. So we got home. And she said, I'll stick it up in the closet. We won't even tell them until that time. And so, uh, you know, we bought them this backpack. Well, Wednesday night, we're driving home and we asked the age old question. Every parent asked their child on the way home, what'd you learn about tonight? What did they teach about? And instead of just getting God or Jesus as an answer, which is usually, uh, you know, what he says, Jesus. Well, I'm so glad we're teaching you Jesus at Anchor Faith Church. <laughs> That's great. Um, no, he said this. He said, um, actually, we learned about faith. 
And then we wrote down on cards something that we were believing for. And he had it. And the card said, we have the card. The card said, I'm believing God for Steph Curry stuff. I'm not making it up. I have the card. Steph Curry stuff. He was very general. He, he was very careful not to get too specific because it might not cover what he wanted. I'm believing God for Steph Curry stuff. And I had forgotten about the backpack. But my wife pulled me aside after we got home and she was like, he asked for Steph Curry stuff and we bought him a Steph Curry backpack. You think that we should give it to him? Are you serious? We're running out of Christmas presents. So I was like, I, you know, we have to. And so we went and we pulled it out and we showed it to him. And he was like, what's that? And we told him the story that we were at. We thought that it was just my wife wanting to go through TJ Maxx again. And this time she actually heard from the Lord. (laughs) And there was this backpack and taught him, you believe God, your faith, you put your faith out there. And we bought this before Tonight, like we had to let him know. We didn't just go run to TJ Maxx real quick. Like we bought this before. This was God already knowing what was on your heart, already knowing the desires of, our, of your heart and just wanting you to activate your faith. And, and, and so we just went through that whole thing with him and it was just incredible. And my wife, I think she shared it on, online. And, you know, now we're in this uh, you know, thing trying to get him to meet Steph Curry. And I think a thousand of you have already shared the post and, uh, you know, whatever. Um, but God cares. God cares about the practical. And God wants to breathe life on the things that we devalue. And yes, it's not valuable until it gets his breath. It's not valuable until we offer it up to him as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. It's, it, it doesn't contain the power of what it could be until we lay out even our dust for him to breathe life into. It's a powerful acknowledgement that God is wanting to work in our lives, not just in the spiritual aspects, but even with the natural things that we can offer up. Look at this in Hebrews chapter five. In Hebrews chapter five. Hebrews chapter five and verse 12. It says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again, teach you again, the what? The first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. We need milk, even though 
time has taken place. Even though you may have matured, even though you may have developed, we still need milk. Milk is, is just a, a, a reference for the foundational, or you could even put it this way, the simple things of God. And for some of us, I think as we grow in the Lord, I know that I've, I've done this in my life. That for some reason, as we grow in the Lord and we mature in the Lord, we mature in the things of the Lord, that sometimes we get this idea that now I have to impress God with my spiritual side. And I forget that there's a natural, practical element of life that God is always looking at and God is always wanting us to offer. That he's, he's saying that we, we've come to need milk. That means that they abandoned something. That means that they walked away from something. The, the natural digression of life, the natural order of life is that we don't maintain the foundation. We don't maintain. You remember when you first came into the kingdom of God. You remember when you were first born again. You remember when you first really recognized that I've come out of darkness. I've come into light. And, and how, uh, you know, that childlike faith and that childlike coming to the Lord and, and things were just so simple. And over time, I believe God wants us to mature, but I don't believe God wants us to complicate things. I believe God wants us to maintain a level of what we are willing to bring to God. An eight-year-old had faith to believe God and we revealed to him and showed him how his faith accomplished something for him. As adults, that might not be as impressive, but it should be. This is what God is trying to speak and this is what God is trying to say is that I still want to use the simple things in your life. This is a simple message. Sometimes we, our, 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 our level of hunger, Bible says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall see God. Our level of thirst and hunger is, is waning or being drained in our life because we don't thirst and hunger for the simple things of what God wants to do in our lives. Guys, I, 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 this is something that's just being more and more open to me, more and more revealed to me, is that God is not a complicated God. He's not hard to understand. He's not hard to figure out. You'll never figure out all of who he is. We know that. But he's not so complex and mysterious that, that it takes, uh, you know, the Bible says, uh, I had the verse down. I believe it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 or 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The, the verse where it says God is using the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I've been reading a book through this entire year, a, a very detailed book. But in the first chapter, the, the individual uh, uh, writing the book is trying to help us understand that the Bible is not a hard book to understand. It's actually one of the simplest books to understand. 
It's our natural factoring and our natural uh, uh, mentalities that get in the way to complicate and make things complex when God is trying to make things simple. God is wanting us to still feed on the milk of the word, not stay on the milk of the word. That's what, he, that's what the writer of Hebrews is acknowledging to this people, that, that you have abandoned the milk of the word, therefore you have to go back. You ought to be able to handle solid food. But this is the thing, we wanna go to solid food, but we wanna abandon the milk of the word, the simplistic, the easy, the foundation, the, 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 the basic elementary principles he goes on to say. No, it's not one or the other. It's not, I'm on solid food, I no longer need milk. It's both. It's both. God is wanting us to have a recognition that God is trying to use both in our lives. Verse 13, he goes on to say, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe. And solid food, verse 14, belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I need to apply myself with both. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll wrap it up here. Are you getting something tonight? I just want us to recognize, look, he's, he's wanting to use the dust. Give God something to breathe into. I, I, I feel sometimes we're apprehensive in our prayer life. I was thinking about this the other day. I remember when I first moved to St. Augustine, Florida, and we didn't have a building, we didn't have a facility when we started that church, uh, Anchor Faith Church in St. Augustine. And um, we were meeting in a, in a middle school. We had to do set up and tear down. So, you know, Monday through Saturday, if you wanted to host or do any kind of event, church function, it had to be done somewhere else. And one of those things uh, that Pastor Earl always placed a priority on was corporate prayer. I remember I moved to St. Augustine, Florida. I got in late on a Friday night and Saturday morning, he woke me up for corporate prayer. Drove all the way from Texas, get in late Saturday night, and he's waking me up at 7 a.m. saying, hey, you want to go pray with us? Uh, a 21-year-old kid right out of college, you think I want to get up at 7 a.m., especially after driving across the, the, you know, halfway across the country? Not really, but that was his value. And what we would do is we would go to the beach. We'd drive to the beach, park our cars, and then walk up and down the beach in prayer. So we'd start out corporately. We'd all huddle up, holding hands. I don't know, there's maybe five or six of us. Uh, it was usually all guys. And we got out there and, and we, you know, we would start us, somebody would start us off in prayer and then we would start walking. And obviously, it's Pastor Earl's thing. So however far he walks is however far we're walking. And you're walking. I don't know, Christine, if you ever did some of those walks with us. And so, and you're thinking in your mind, all right, as far down as we go is as far back as we have to go. So you can turn this thing around anytime now. 
And he, he didn't have a certain point, like we're going to go down to that you know, dock down there and we're going to come. It was just, you're going until he turns around and you ain't doing, I mean, you know, you're not going to be the one that's like, all right, guys, see you, I'm heading back. Now, you, we're in this together. And sometimes the weather wasn't that great and we're out there doing it. But he had a value for corporate prayer. Well, I remember the first few times, you know, after about five or 10 minutes, I'm like, I'm out of prayers. I don't know what else to pray. And so now I'm trying to walk up and speed up next to somebody else and hear what they're praying about. Like, oh, yeah, that's a good, yeah, we got to pray for that. That's good. And I go find someone else and get kind of close to them. Oh, yeah, yeah, we got to pray for that. I'm just trying to find, I just need some content. Come on, you got to help me out. But as I grew in that, obviously, my prayer life began to grow and began, you know, the, the length of your prayers is not the goal. It's quality over quantity, but prayer is talking with God. And I remember when I was dating my wife, but we couldn't get off the phone. Because when you're in love with someone or you're, you desire them and you desire to be in relationship with them, you want to talk. And it didn't really matter what you, you talked about. You just talked. That happened. And so with God, you know, you, you, you build up that desire. And so I was thinking, you know, even in, in the content of our prayers, like, you know, he put in there, Jesus said, pray for your enemies. I think he put that in there to make sure that you would always have something to pray about. If you can't cover anything else. Hey, did you pray for your enemies? All right, got to go back, pray. I mean, he gave us plenty of content. He gave us plenty of what to talk about. But even the practical things, even the natural things that are going on, we can talk to God about those things. We can bring those to him. The Bible says we can boldly come before the throne of grace. Do you know how many Old Testament uh, people wish they have the access we have today? Oh, man that the veil's been torn and we can go boldly before the throne and there's no condemnation, there's no shame, there's no guilt that can keep me separated from him. I can come boldly to him. Man, if, I've, if I have uh, failed, if I've blown it, it says that he's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I can come boldly before the throne of grace. I can come boldly before him and I'm not gonna be judged. I'll be challenged, I'll be corrected. I, I, I will be uh, have my mind illuminated as to what righteousness looks like versus unrighteousness. But man, I can talk to him. Bring the natural, bring the practical and let God breathe on that. First Corinthians chapter two and verse 10 says this, but God has revealed them to us through what? His spirit for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. This is why we have to have the Holy Spirit working in our lives, leaning on him, uh, relying on him, depending on him, being led by the spirit is not optional for the believer. It's not an option. 
We have to make a demand for the Holy Spirit. And it says in verse 12, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God. Watch this, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Now, so here's the, here's the, the other side. I have to bring to him what I can do naturally, but I have to rely on his spirit to open it up to me, to reveal it to me, to illuminate it to me. I'm gonna tell you right now, the devil knows this book. But it's not what you know that changes your life. It's what's been revealed that changes your life. You gotta follow this now. So I'm offering God my natural, he says, be a, uh, be a studier of the word, Right? Be disciplined to study the word. That's not just casual hear, hearing and casual reading. The Bible also says not to just be a hearer, but to be a doer of the word. So there are my elements. There's the stuff that I've got to do. There's the stuff I've got to apply. There's the stuff that naturally I have to be doing. Many people want God to reveal the word to him that they're not even in. They don't even give the time, the effort, the investment to get in the word of God. Jesus said himself that the Holy Spirit would remind you of things I've said. You can't be reminded of something that was never there to begin with. Come on. So naturally, I've got to be in the word, studier of the word. God, show me your word. But it's not memorizing scripture that makes me more spiritual. That's a... That's an element of getting the word in me. But it's not my memorization of scripture that changes my life. It's the revealing of scripture. That means when I get in this book, I need the Holy Spirit to speak. It's actually worthless to me other than just becoming disciplined in the practice of reading the word of God. But I'm not getting out of it what I need until the Holy Spirit shows up and says, this is what that's there for. And he's saying right here that we haven't received the spirit of the world. We've received the spirit of God himself. And who knows the the heart of a man better than the spirit? What he's saying is, is who knows the heart of God better than the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate the word, reveal the word to you. You remember when Jesus was asking his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they were given various answers. And then Peter spoke up and Peter said, I believe you are Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And what did Jesus say to Peter? He said, you have had this revealed to you by my Father in heaven. You're not speaking on your own accord. You're not, you didn't just get that because you're just smart enough or you figured it out or you've been watching me long enough. You had that revealed to you by the Father himself. The Father showed you that. The Father told you that. What did he do? He took the dust and he breathed on it. 
In essence, guys, what I'm trying to help us see tonight is we have dust. We have practical. We have natural things that we can offer to God. And until we offer it to him, he can't breathe his life on it. But it's not just good enough in dust form. It's not just good enough in its practical form. I need the breath of the Holy Spirit to breathe into the natural that I can bring, the dust that I can bring. Even his word. Guys, we are at the greatest advantage in life when we yield our lives to the Holy Spirit of God. And on the flip side, we are at our greatest disadvantage in life when I don't allow the Spirit of God to breathe on what I offer, on what I'm doing. I mean, we've got some phenomenal musicians up here, talented musicians that have to bring their natural gift, their dust, each week. And we, can, we make a demand. Learn, grow, develop in your gift. Don't, don't just say, well, here's what I can do. But, but how can I excel? How can I be taught? How can I be coached? How can I be trained to, to take this gift, this natural ability to the next level? But then, then I need the Spirit of God. On this platform, we're not just looking for talent. We're not just looking for natural ability. I'm not just looking for dust. We need the anointing. We need the Spirit of God to breathe into. And I'm telling you, and every single one of them will attest, some of our greatest services were on the backs of our worst sound checks. I don't have it figured out. I don't know. That's good. You just offer what you can. You offer, and look, we're offering the best we can. Some of us have a hard time making it to rehearsals on Thursdays. Some of us have a hard time making it to a sound check on time. We have lives that are demanding. We are all in, in so many different places. All I ask from our team is bring the best dust you can. Bring the best ability you can. Just give us the best you can. And let's let God touch it. Let's let God breathe it. Well, what if we did that in our marriage? What if we did that with our finances? What if we did that with our, even our giving and sowing into the kingdom of God? How many times have we not put a $20 bill in the offering because we felt what could $20 do? Pastor Mark, you just asked for $5,000 for, for, for that thing. My 20 can't do anything. Uh, you know, I'll just believe God and ask God and I'll pray, God, just bless me. I'll, I'll, you know, I've had people tell me, man, if I had the 5,000, I would give the whole thing. That's great. Give God the dust. Let him breathe on the $20 bill. Let him breathe on the best that you can bring, the best that you can do. For anyone that serves with Elevate, you know, sometimes we, we, we don't serve or we don't, you know, uh, allow ourselves to be stretched uh, because we feel, what can this little bit do? But what if we just brought even what we thought was dust to God? Guys, honestly, anything we bring naturally is just that, dust. I don't care how many zeros it has behind it. I don't care how strong it may look. I don't care how great, how successful it may look. At the end of the day, it's dust. 
don't care how many seats are out here. I don't care how, how many square feet we take up, how many acres we have, how large our influence goes. To God, it's dust, but that's all he's looking for. It's not us. It's not up to us to determine what God can use and what he can't use. It's not up to us to categorize. We talked about it last week with the Israelites. We are but what? Grasshoppers in their sight. That's what they said. And God responds and says, what if I want to use grasshoppers to take down a giant? Are we going to allow a slave mentality to keep us out of the promise that he's already blessed us with? Are we going to allow a dust mentality to keep us from bringing to God, serving God with our dust, sowing our dust, giving our dust, using our dust? Are we going to allow that to stop what God wants to do when he's saying, bring the dust? Let me breathe on the dust and I will cause it to come to life. That's how this whole thing got started. Dust in breath. I just hope we can go from here through our days, through our weeks, through our families, through our relationships, through our workplace. Whatever we have to offer, say, God, I'm, I'm bringing the dust. It's up to you. You're gonna have to make this thing come to life. Taking that step of, of, of telling someone that you forgive them when they should be asking you for forgiveness, that's dust. But what could God breathe on that and cause heart transformation in the person across the, the room from you? Guys, this is, it's, it's simple. Bring the simple, bring the practical, bring the natural, bring the dust and let God breathe his spirit into it and cause life to come. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's message. If there is any message that you have missed or you just want to hear again, they are all available for free on iTunes. Just search Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified once the new messages are available. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our church and what we have available for you and your family, or if you'd like to donate financially to the ministry, be sure to visit our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.